This is your Planet News Briefing. I'm John Chu. And I'm Ralph Fortune. Welcome back to our show. If you're new to it, check out our one minute trailer. Also, uh, give a look at some of our our uh, top hit episodes. This includes the climate anxiety episode and the Jeff Bezos $10 billion fund episode. But for this episode, the main story coming up is about the global water crisis. We talk about how climate change is making it worse and what we must do about it. But first, your Planet News headlines from this week. In politics news this week, the BBC reports that new rules could spell the end of a throwaway culture. Uh, basically, the regulation will apply to a range of everyday items such as mobile phones, textiles, electronics, batteries, construction, and packaging as well. Uh, they will ensure that products that are actually designed and manufactured so they last and they're repairable if they don't or if they go wrong. Uh, it should mean that your phone battery actually lasts longer and proves easier to fix. It's all part of a worldwide movement called the right to repair. And basically, the plan is being presented to permission. It's likely to create standards for the UK as well, even after Brexit. And that's because it's, it's probably, you know, it won't be worthwhile for manufacturers to make lower grade models anymore. Uh, that can be only so in, the, in, in Great Britain. All right. And business uh, this week, EcoWatch reports ghost flights still populating the skies as coronavirus keeps passengers grounded. This term ghost flights are taking off, you know, because um, Europe, European rules say that airlines must use their airport space or give it up. So these are the, you know, the terminals that are where the, air, where the airlines are landing into and, and getting passengers on and off. And this is for, you know, major carriers such as Virgin and British Airways. The, the actual rule is that these terminals must use 80% of their slots or they actually lose them to somebody else. And the Airport Coordination Limited started relaxing as of March 9th rules for flights from Hong Kong and mainland China, but they remained in effect for all other destinations in Europe and in Korea, so including Italy and South Korea. So this was as of March 9th, um, everything, every day seemed to be changing. But uh, the British trade organization, Airlines UK, said that unless the rules were changed, one of its members would have to fly 32 planes that were only 40% full between now and March 25th wasting emissions on more than 5,200 empty seats. Oh my gosh, so there were actually flights that were, that were nearly empty that had to fly anyways. Exactly, just because these, these spots, you know, where uh, these terminal spots are so valuable that uh, it's worth in terms of the pricing of, you know, doing the flights, but obviously uh, they're not pricing in, you know, this carbon effect that is, is basically unnecessary. Oh my, okay. <laughs> Pretty wild. So in tech news this week, the BBC reports dirty streaming, the internet's big secret. So with the launch of streaming services from Disney, Apple, and so forth, the rollout of 5G as well, and the growth in cryptocurrencies and you know, so forth, experts are warning about the impact that this huge rise in data could actually have on the environment. There are now hundreds of thousands of data centers around the world storing everything from viral videos to doctor's notes and even bank account details. Many of them run on electricity generated by burning fossil fuels. So film and TV writer Beth Webb went in search of the internet and discovered that the cloud has actually a vast network of energy guzzling data centers and undersea cables. But, you know, we, we talked about this in the past. Yeah. Microsoft Azure, AWS, et cetera, et cetera, they're currently offsetting. So go check out episodes 19 and 21 because we, we talk about this in great detail. So this, this headline's yeah. a bit misleading. As well as, as well as Google Cloud. So yeah, if, yeah. As long, if and basically all companies are using these cloud services, these are the, 
three large services. But yeah, go check out those episodes um, because we get into detail around uh, who who is you know purely uh, carbon neutral, um, and then who are kind of have different gray areas. Uh, so this is, I mean, this has been a topic I keep hearing because um, being in the development world, uh, and I think people are are not very informed yet on it. You know, yeah. it's very, it's, right now it's very much, oh my gosh, did you know that, you know, that uh, the cloud uses this much carbon? <laughs> it's like, well, it's not that simple. So yeah. definitely check out those episodes for detail. People were telling me, you know, don't have too many tabs open on your laptop or don't send that LOL <laughs> response back. It's, it's, it's not no. that, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's definitely, there's more uh, detail and nuance to that. Cool. Good one. Great. In science news this week, skeptical science reports, human CO2 emissions are increasing exponentially. Uh, odd, odd name, but they're, they're kind of, they fight skeptical uh, science claims around uh, climate change in terms of this, uh, this article but i i brought this one as a as a highlight because right now we are experiencing exponential growth with this this experience of the covid-19 uh you know novel coronavirus and this is something that is really hard for us as humanity to to kind of get to grasp with to to understand exponential growth and that's exactly what we're experiencing right now with covid-19 so it is important to think about this in terms of climate crisis as well, because if we are emitting CO2 exponentially, this too is going to have similar effects to what we're seeing with COVID-19, where there's explosions of growth, right? It might seem slow at first, and then it becomes an explosion of growth, right? That's what, that's what exponentiality is. Yeah. Um, so the interesting comparisons also for this are around kind of having a, a vaccine, right? COVID-19 uh, ex exponential growth and it's just it just will keep going because there's no vaccine so the thoughts thoughts are around this this concept of maybe like uh, re, you know re, uh, lowering the curve right so flattening the curve and this what this means is that just making sure that we slow down the growth we know we know that it's happening they want to slow down the growth so then in the future if we have vaccines or different treatments we are more prepared for it so I think this is a really good uh, analogy, actually, to climate crisis, right? We want to be able to, to flatten the curve of climate crisis. And this is what we've always been talking about so that we do have future benefits of technology such as carbon capture, uh, et cetera, because right now carbon capture is not good enough, right? Yeah. So we need to flatten the curve of climate crisis as well. So I think this is a perfect analogy. Uh, definitely a lot of information out there right now about exponential growth, about what flattening the curve means. So uh, think about it also in a climate crisis uh, analogy when you're hearing about all of this stuff. That's a good one. Let's include the show note into the show notes the link to this one because it's really good yeah. to see those graphs and the exponential curves yeah. and the hockey sticks and stuff. Uh, wow. Definitely. Coming up, our main story, the global water crisis. This is actually one that was recommended by uh, a couple of our listeners, actually, we did an Instagram poll, um, you know, Instagram story polling. And, you know, we asked uh, our audience what would they would like to hear about. And a couple of people actually said the water crisis. So here we are um, responding to that demand, which we were happy to do. Lots of good research here. First of all, all of the world's water since even before the existence of humans, that water still exists in some form today on Earth. And we've never been able to to actually make new water. Yes, we, we get water from like natural ways like rainfall and so forth, but we've, we've actually never been able to replenish it. 
like actually make new water from thin air, so to speak. So this is, um, you know, water is extremely precious. It's, you know, water is life, right? Um, there's, it, it's connected to a lot of things, uh, to all humans and animals and so forth. You know, what's going on with the crisis? Nearly a billion people lack basic drinking water access. That's more than one out of eight or one out of nine people on the planet. Women and girls especially, they, they, uh, they're worse impacted. Um, they spend an estimated 200 million hours hauling water every day. So the average woman in rural Africa, for example, walks about six kilometers, which is about 3.7 miles every day to carry 40 pounds of water. Uh, just imagine carrying 40 pounds of anything for nearly four miles. Wow. Um, by 2050, at least one in four people will likely live in a country affected by chronic or recurring fresh water shortages. Yeah, that's interesting. And we've started yeah. to see that as well. Uh, how we recently mm -hmm. and you know we we talked about the climate a lot right so like 90 percent of all natural disasters are water related whether it's a drought right. or well, there's whether it's a drought or it's, it's a hurricane like you know it's a lot of water or a little bit of water and um yeah i mean sanitation um, cannot be you know not spoken of um, when we talk about water right 2.3 billion people live without access to basic sanitation today it's not just developing areas like Sub-Saharan Africa or Southeast Asia or Latin America. There are places like Cape Town. I mean, 2018, yeah. they, they nearly got to day zero, which is the day where water supplies completely run out. They, they, they did avert that, but they were nearly there. And, they, and they that, I think that was a good example of, uh, of kind of uh, flying the curve, as they say, right? <laughs> they averted it because they were so they were telling everybody about it and people started rationing, right? Yeah. So yeah. Concept. I had a friend that was, was supposed to travel there during that time and they weren't sure if it was going to happen. If not, you know, it's like kind of similar situation right now. You know, this, these are major crises. Oh, my God. And it's not just what Cape Town, South Africa, right? So it's, it's in the U.S. as well, Flint, Michigan, Newark, New Jersey as well. You know, these places, the water is still contaminated with lead and other mm -hmm. toxins. California has a similar problem. Um, about one million people there face water stress because from groundwater depletion or pollution. So nitrates, pesticides, arson and so forth. And that's more of a less of, of dirty water and more of a lack of water. Is that true? Or is it kind of a combination? I think it's a combination. Yeah. I, I think, I think Los Angeles particularly, they get a lot of water from the Colorado rivers mm -hmm. and a lot of the, and the way that the water is flowing these days, it, it kind of dries up before it even gets that far, which is a problem in Chennai, uh, Chennai, India, which is in South India, over 8 million people. So about the size of New York it city. Is. They're going into their 13th consecutive year of a drought. But, you know, Ralph, what kind of challenges um, are we facing a water crisis and how is it climate related? Yeah, definitely. So um, obviously higher temperatures uh, and the more extremes and more and less pre predictable weather conditions um, are going to affect the availability and distribution of rain, rainfall, snow melt, the river flows. Like you said, we're talking about the Colorado rivers or other rivers around around the world uh, and groundwater and just the deterioration of water quality as well, you know, starts limiting the the supply. Yeah. So obviously, low income communities are going to be heavily affected. Um, they're the most vulnerable to any threats, uh, the water supply and mostly going to be the affected here. And we, you know, this is a good one to look into our climate justice uh, episode because we talk about how the, uh, you know, kind of global South and, and anybody who is from a low income community is definitely be more affected actually by yeah. the climate crisis versus those, the wealthy. 
go check it out. Climate Injustice episode in January. So also, um, you know, in some regions, in some regions, droughts are already exacerbated water scarcity uh, and thereby negatively impacting people's health and productivity. So what are some of the health effects then? Yeah, so from the health standpoint, um, water scarcity, you know, it's, it's the, the diminished flow in rivers and streams can increase contamination of um, or concentrations of harmful pollutants, right? So, and also uh, overtax aquifers and, you know, aquifers are basically geological formations containing or conducting groundwater. It's like a, you know, uh, using water to filter uh, rocks to filter the water. These aquifers are being overtaxed in some places and becoming more vulnerable to com- contamination as well. You know, this this is interesting. Uh, I, I talked about it in the past headline of a past episode, but um, when waterways run dry, animals like big, you know, hippos and, you know, elephants and mm-hmm. stuff, they, they seek out drinking water from places where people live. And a lot of times mm-hmm. they start attacking and terrorizing these these villages. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Hippos are extremely dangerous, and also, obviously, he- elephants are pretty dangerous. So that's a yeah. good point. They also carry uh, disease. Uh, they, they, you know, like like the insects kind of constantly hover around the elephant and their fecal matter and so forth. So they they kind of yeah. just like bring these insects as well. Also, from a health perspective, uh, droughts can elevate wildfires. Yeah, which, which makes sense. You know, and dust storms as well, right? So that leads to, you know, irritation of the lungs and airways. And, uh, let's do another plug because <laughs> we talked about yeah. this a lot in the past. Um, go check out our exactly. California wildfires episode as well. When we, we talk yep. about how wildfires and health impacts and so forth. Yeah. Um, and that's about, about kind of the, how the droughts have extended the, the wildfire season, right? Yeah. So increasing that, that, that risk. So food safety can also be in, uh, affected. But when, when soil dries out, it becomes compacted. It's, it's more likely that rain will actually run off the surface mm. and then carry contaminants to crops instead of soaking it into the ground. So mm. crops, so yeah. it's a source of food and then it's contaminated. It's pretty slow. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's about the health bit. How about kind of productivity as well? Oh yeah, so this is super interesting. And I started to learn about this because uh, I used to get involved in Charity Water, which is an amazing organization, nonprofit. You know, what we should say here is that women and girls, um, which I mentioned before, they're disproportionately impacted. They often bear the burden of carrying the water. And when people, when people don't have access to clean water, children in particular, they, they don't get to enjoy good health, right? So they are not likely to go to school uh, because they're not in good health and they need to carry water. And parents, instead of going out and getting a job or doing something, you know, more substantial for, for, their, for their family, they're actually, they have to constantly worry about water-related diseases and lack of access to drinking water. So the opportunity costs, you know, mm. whereas they could be watering crops and livestock and diversifying their incomes, they're, they're actually just basically, they're, they're parenting just to survive. And then, of course, you know, productivity, you can kind of talk about refugee dynamics and political instability as well, because that's, people get this place, they're not in the workforce, they're just, you know, migrating and trying to find a place to, to live and be productive and uh, the right. water crisis. This happens a lot with a lot of the droughts, right? Indeed. So let's talk about the climate change and how this is significantly transforming the water cycle. So in terms of the water cycle, so um, obviously higher temperatures are increasing, you know, evaporation. Uh, and, and the actual, the word for this is evapotranspiration. <laughs> this is <laughs> a crazy that? word here. So this is for, uh, you know, 
vegetation, land, surface water, and oceans, a warmer atmosphere is holding more water. And as air holds more water, more uh, precipitation is leading to increased flooding. <laughs> so what is, what is evapotranspiration, John? Well, first of all, I won't try to, I won't try to pronounce it because the last oh, time, on, let's hear it. The uh, last time I heard you mispronounce a word, I I suddenly couldn't <laughs> pronounce it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So uh, philanthropy. <laughs> Go on, try to say it. Philanthropy. No, 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 not that word. That was all right. So how about this? How about this evapotranspiration? Um, Evapotranspiration, so E-V-A-P-O-T-R-A-N-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N. That's the one word. So it's basically the sum of evaporation and plant transpiration from the Earth's land and ocean surfaces uh, to the atmosphere. So basically, it's the process of accounting for the movement of water to uh, the air from surfaces such as soil, canopy, interception, and water bodies. But um, yeah, so a, a warmer climate basically translates to having more precipitation. So in the forms of rain yeah, and less snow. So uh, snow obviously represents natural water storage, valuable for later irrigation seasons and so forth. But at the same time, some areas like Southwest uh, US, so like Arizona and so forth, we experience less precipitation because of climate change. Um, so that leads to obviously longer and more severe drought periods. That's, That's so wild. Yeah, it just seems like there's there's drier, longer droughts in the dry areas, and then the wet areas there's more water flooding and 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 you know and the likes of hurricanes and stuff as well because the, the the hot air is holding more of that water. It's just, yeah, just yeah. extremes, isn't it? And just to add on to that, uh, rain seasons become shorter, uh, creating more days when irrigation is needed and therefore mm. increasing water demands, whereas in warmer water and streams and rivers have um, ha has an impact on you know metabolism and life cycle and behavior of different aquatic species. So it's just a trickle down all the way down. So John, all right, what are some actions that we can take then? Yeah, so we've got 10 actions here that uh, the Circle of Blue, which is a award-winning journalism group, uh, compiled. They, they actually compiled 19 actions, but we, we just, we're going to talk about a subset of 10 here. So number one, an action is to educate and change consumption and lifestyles. So this is really important because sure. in the end, changing the face of this crisis involves education to motivate you know, new behaviors and coping with the era of water scarcity will require major overhauls of all forms of consumption uh, yeah. basically you know everything from supply chains of major corporations as well like ge yeah cool number two we have recycle wastewater so <laughs> i didn't know you pretty, could do that <laughs> yeah yeah definitely a lot of people are doing it. it's a it's a cra crazy concept so uh you know what does this mean john this means you're literally drinking the pee <laughs> that has been filtrated <laughs> from other people so disgusting but it actually works really well and in march uh world water day panelists urge a new mindset for wastewater treatment. So some countries like Singapore are trying to recycle to cut water imports and become more self-sufficient. So that is kind of crazy to think about it. Singapore has to import their water, right? So you know, the, risk, the rich East Asian Republic is a leader in developing advanced technologies that uh, cleanses wastewater for other uses, including drinking. So obviously, yeah, this is being done to the point of, I don't know, maybe agriculture and stuff, but yeah, it can go all the way to the form of, of drinking. It's that, you know, yeah. it's that clean. It's that, it's that good of technology. And this, you know, this technology exists today. So definitely something that should be used more. Yeah. I mean, I, I think something like a quarter of people already drink 
<laughs> toilet water um, as part of their pipes in their local, you know, cities and so forth, because it does get, you know, clean and filter and they've got this like sophisticated multi-filtration system that does kind of get rid of the bacteria and the particles and it, and it does become clean drinking water. That, that already, this already happens Incredible. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Number three is, is something that is really interesting. So uh, improve irrigation and agricultural practices. So 70% of the world's fresh water is used for agriculture and improving irrigation can help close the supply and demand gaps. So yeah. that's just a lot of water being used for agriculture. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I think ag tech is super interesting. Uh, definitely so undisrupted, right? This has yeah. been doing agriculture for the same, the same way for thousands of years. So definitely interesting one there. Four, we have appropriately priced water. Hmm. So water pricing and rights uh, go hand in hand with consumers questioning the benefit of higher prices. So according to experts from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, an international economic forum of 31 of the world's richest countries, they decided that raising prices will help lower waste and pollution. So yeah, definitely different, uh, interesting concept. Obviously, uh, water seems pretty cheap and plentiful. Um, it'd be interesting to see the impacts of, of kind of increasing the pricing. I think that's uh, going to happen no matter what. I mean, because the cost of cleaning water is going to go up because we need to do it more often. And I think the price is, is going to go up. It's going to happen no matter yeah. what. Yeah. And it, it's interesting that they, they mentioned water rights as well. So this is a big one. If, if you guys know anybody like in the agriculture industry, like this has happened where my, my hometown um, is in, in Idaho, where there's a lot of farming. And that used to be the case where uh, there's different rights on groundwater rights. So if you put a pump into the ground or, um, or like above ground water rights, so just free, mm. I don't know the term for it, but like free stream, stream water rights. Um, but what's interesting is the people who had the, the groundwater rights, you know, up, up, upstream as it's, as it's called, would be pumping out more water. And so the people who had the, the above groundwater rights downstream we're getting less and less access to the water. Right? <laughs> you drying it up. So it became like a, a huge fight because what's to say, you know, you have to start, you start, you have to start calculating that out um, because there's no restrictions in terms of the person upstream, what was pumping it out of the ground could take. Uh, so yeah, that was really big fights around that. Um, and it's, it's a really interesting topic that we'll see more of for sure. Two words, water wars, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, number five, uh, a tip or action is to look to communicate to look to community-based governance and partnerships. So, community organizations basically elevate the experiences of those whose voices mirror some influence. Um, in April, for example, indigenous groups met at the Alternative Climate Change Conference in Bolivia, uh, which is a gathering meant to foster international partnerships amongst um, and underrepresented groups. So, ensuring more effective governance at the grassroots level you know, gives community uh, community stature and can lead to effective policy changes on a national scale. So, start from the bottom yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, I think that's all really good. Six is uh, develop and enact better policies and regulations. So, as water scarcity complicates food scarcity and pollution, governments need to redefine their role. The U.S. government is considering expanding the Clean Water Act to ensure more protections. In Russia, meanwhile, Prime Minister Vladimir Putin has approved waste discharges in Lake uh, Baikal, <laughs> one of the world's largest bodies of fresh water. Uh, it is up to the government to ensure communities have access to clean water. So yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, not much available 
fresh water in this world and it's unfortunate to, to contaminate it, that's for sure. Wait, did you say that the US government is considering expanding the Clean Water Act? Yeah, mm -hmm. for more protections. All right, I didn't know that. I thought Trump <laughs> was just anti-everything that's related to <laughs> good stuff in the environment. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good one, though. Number seven, shrink corporate water footprint. So this is huge. Industrial water usage accounts for about 22% of global consumption. So uh, basically the, corp the corporate footprint includes water that's directly and indirectly consumed when, when goods are produced. So sustainable manufacturing uh, becomes more important uh, given the increased severity of water scarcity. Eight is water projects in developing countries, transfer of technology. So yeah, this is about the kind of the transfer of technology from developed to non-developed countries. Uh, so such as uh, Northwest India and Sub-Saharan Africa. One proposed solution is to transfer water uh, conservation technologies to these drier areas. Doing so is tricky because economies are weak and there are gaps in skills that often compel government and business authorities to improve these changes on local citizens. Yeah. So yeah, good would be good, but it's obviously a hard challenge. So number nine, climate change mitigation. So when you, mm -hmm. you know, sort climate change, you sort water crisis in a way. So, <laughs> well, that's kind of a loose statement there. But basically, climate change and water scarcity kind of go hand in hand, and the issues have a reciprocal relationship, right? So the IPCC, uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, they they said that water management policies and measures can have an influence on greenhouse gas emissions. So as re renewable energy options are pursued, which I know you're, you're, you're big on, uh, rightfully, the water mm -hmm. consumption of these mitigation tactics, uh, they, will, they, they must be considered uh, in producing alternatives uh, ranging from bioenergy crops to hydropower and solar panels. Number 10 on the list is population growth. Uh, so this is kind of a hard one to control, but uh, because of the accelerating growth in global population, parts of the world could see a supply-demand gap of up to 65% in water resources by 2030. So currently more than 1 billion people don't have access to clean water. And with 70% of the world's fresh water used for agriculture, water's critical role in food production must be considered as climate and resources conditions change. Oh my, yeah. So that's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> Let's get into traffic lights. <laughs> sure, yeah, so all right, for me, my red, would just be that I don't I don't feel that this link you know of climate crisis uh, and unrest is not clear enough. Um, we've seen we've seen the connection starting to happen between uh, droughts and unrest. I think I think that's becoming clear. But it'd be interesting for that for that to have like a mention of okay why are there more droughts right now right So mm. um, I think that will start happening more and more. Um, and I think it did happen. I think it did happen a bit. Obviously, it happened with like Australia wildfires. People started linking that back. Um, it'll be interesting to see if um, any displaced people or like kind of migrant stuff is starting mm. to be effect, starting to be linked. I haven't seen that yet um, because uh, you will see stuff like about droughts and stuff, but nothing in terms of climate yet. Mm. Yeah, good point. For me, a yellow is you know just simply that a lot of these issues are due to poor infrastructure whether that's, um, you know, in areas where they, they can't afford the infrastructure, right? People are having to walk to get water or, or just kind of old infrastructure, that w if that's like old agriculture infrastructure, right? Uh, and w a lot of these things, we actually do have the ability to fix. 
but it does require you know a lot of of will particularly political will and a lot of money so it's a kind of a yellow for me and then for me for green is is agriculture technology actually i mean there's some really really cool innovations coming into this place uh there's stuff called vertical farming you guys which you guys should check out um there's actually a company that's really interesting a startup called uh, plenty.ag so plenty.ag uh check them out they have some cool images of of what they're doing but they have these literally have these farms that are that go up into the sky uh on these like <laughs> rotating rotating uh things that uh, that have you know they can control the water uh they can they don't have to do add any pesticides or anything either because it's actually all indoors they control the light uh on them and uh yeah they're creating right now they're creating um leafy greens and starting to do strawberries as well i think but uh yeah it's not a plug for them we're not being paid by these guys uh just an interesting company to check out <laughs> That's a really good one. I wish we were plug, uh, paid by them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what do you have then? So my red is, I mentioned this already, water wars. So let's take Syria, for example. There are many mm-hmm. reasons for the civil war that has happened, that is happening there. So a failing economy, ISIS obviously on uh, being formed, the air spring movement and climate change. You know, the drought was from 2006 to 2011. And that led to a water crisis where 75% of farms failed there and, and 95% of livestock died. So there was an Jeez. instant uh, food scarcity, right? So people started to move into cities looking for work. Then there was a job insecurity for people who live in the cities. And then, and then you know, there was violence and social collapse and then eventually civil war. So we tie wow. our back is water wars, uh, you know, the water crisis has led and arguably led to that civil war. So what happened, right? Um, half a million people had died there. Um, and 12 million people, which is about half the population. Unbelievable. So half the country has been displaced. They've gone to neighboring countries in Europe and so forth and causing chaos in those places. I would say they're not intentionally going to cause chaos, but uh, the the fact that they've had to to move there, uh, it's been, you know, it's created chaos for those countries, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's a good point. They didn't cause chaos, (laughs) but but it has resulted in chaos because the government, you know, they, either not welcoming or don't have an infrastructure to take on this many people. It's, it's half the country. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, um, and by the way, the water crisis exists in Honduras and Guatemala, El Salvador. So it could be similar type of situations happening in the U.S. eventually. But anyways, yeah. my, my read is how the Syria case, the water crisis could lead to water wars, so to speak. Mm-hmm. My yellow is... You know, we, we can't not talk about the UN's uh, Sustainable Development Goals number 13, I think it is, which is about clean water and sanitation for all by 2030. And that's that's under 10 years away now. So lots of people are making, you know, impact, but probably not fast enough. Well, definitely not fast enough. And we are doing a lot, but we're probably also not doing it in all the right ways. Yes, you know, we can do things like conserve water by using more efficient appliances. We should definitely do that. We need to fundamentally rethink bigger things like agriculture. So you talked about this already. How do we cut down on livestock farming? And, and you know, uh, it's so interesting to, to know that did you know, the population of cattle is 1.5 billion. For context, it's 1.8 billion people in China. Huh, <laughs> There's a lot of cows in the world. And, yeah. you know, Earth is about 70, 70% water and 97% of that is salt water. Uh, leaving just three about three percent fresh water, and the majority of that is frozen in ice caps. And humans use <laughs> just just a fraction of that, and 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 of that fraction of a fraction, 
humans use about 8% for drinking water, uh, cleaning, everything. And 22% goes to industrial use. Um, and surprisingly, mm-hmm. making clothes uh, uses a big mm-hmm. chunk of that as well, which, you know, plug right. again, fast fashion <laughs> last November. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, and then the remaining 70%, guess what? It goes to agriculture. That's a lot of, I mean, it, to be fair, it's, it's agriculture probably including, you know, vegetables as well as, you know, cattle, right? Or livestock. Yeah. But, All uh, of it. but yeah, that's a, like I said, it's that, you know, multi-thousand year industry that has not changed, right? I mean, we changed <laughs> from, the biggest changes we've had is from instead of plowing with horses and oxes, we plow with tractors. So it's like crazy. <laughs> it's pretty similar. Yeah, exactly. Good point. All right. So my green. And you started to talk about this already. Uh, virtually every industry in the world, you know, has anticipated, has gone through or anticipates disruption, you know, um, better production, you know, better business models and so forth. This uh, space with the water crisis, I, I'm an optimist. I, I think that there's some sort of a technology or technologies that will come together that will scale and be cheaper to, to implement, uh, kind of like the way... Uh, renewable energy has become cheaper than, um, you know, fossil mm-hmm. fuel based energy. I think some technologies will, will come together that will, you know, target that large amount of water that's undrinkable in the giant oceans that we have. Uh, so yeah. something like yeah, we have, we yeah. have desalination, right? Exactly. So I was just going to mention that. So that's, uh-huh. um, it, you know, that, that basically involves removing salt and minerals from ocean water. Um, mm-hmm. And at the moment it's highly resource intensive, but um, you know, governments and technological advances are allowing more possibilities in this space as well. Just a plug again, make sure you go to yesyourimpact.com and kind of join the community there and uh, stay in touch. Follow us on Instagram as well at Your Planet News Briefing. And that is this week's Your Planet News Briefing. I'm Ralph Forgen. I'm John Chu. Thanks for listening.